Good day, everybody. This is Troy Hudkins with Lessons for Life podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And I have a special guest here today, someone that I grew up with years ago, Doug Webb. Doug, thanks for joining us. Hi, Troy. Thanks for having me on board and look forward to our conversations. Awesome. Thank you very much. So to start with, who is Douglas Webb? Well, that's a, that's a wide open question, I'm sure. So Doug Webb is a, a man that lives in Fort McMurray, grew up here, born and raised. Um, I'm Métis, belonging to Fort McMurray, Métis, 1935. So my father was Irish and my mother is uh, Cree, uh, Iroquois by descent. And I grew up in Fort McMurray in a very busy time in this community, along with Troy, when people were coming from all corners of the world to look for work. And, you know, as I went through my teenage years looking for work and opportunity, I discovered one of the major oil science companies that operate in this re region called Syncrude Canada. And I have uh, was hired on there to uh, do some labor work and, and transitioned into some lab work. Um, took an apprenticeship as an automotive mechanic, fell into safety for a brief moment, um, took on a leadership role and advanced my career into mid-management at uh, Syncrude Canada, where I've been for the last 35 years. Currently, I'm doing uh, a role for Syncrude as an uh, Indigenous business liaison. So I've, I gather all the relevant data of vendors and suppliers that can perform services for our company. And I introduce them to uh, the Syncrude business units that require their services. So it's been a very, very busy time in the last eight to 10 years in this role, um, but very fulfilling in that I get to help uh, the local Indigenous population of the region and, and, and uh, members of my community. So in a nutshell, I'm a father and husband, one child who's off in university right now. And I've been very, very fortunate and blessed to be surrounded by good people and, and good friends and have an amazing life here in Fort McMurray. Awesome, that's great. So you mentioned we, we both grew up in Fort McMurray and I moved there when there was 6,000 people, you were born there. Yeah. How, how small do you remember Fort McMurray being? So when I was born here, there was, you know, I don't have that memory. There was 900 people, but I remember when um, we, you know, the, the number of 1,100. But the significant for me, the significant number for me was uh, when the when the town of Fort McMurray hit 3,000. I thought when we hit 3,000, we're a city. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the, the, the city has gone from the city of Fort McMurray, the town of Fort McMurray, the new town of Fort McMurray, the city of Fort McMurray to the regional municipality of Wood Buffalo. Um, so there's been a tremendous amount of growth. And we've gone from that small number of 1,100 uh, to 3,000 to 30,000 to 50,000 to 80,000. Um, when we count in the people that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when we did the census that were living in camps and whatnot, we were over 110,000 people. We still right. seem to have a lack of services for a community that large. For Alberta's third largest community, the services in the right. moment very, very uh, limited, sparse. That's what I always look at, like with Fort McMurray. I mean, we left there when it was 55,000 people. But even, even when you say the city itself and the 80, whatever, 84, 85,000, mm -hmm. how many people are living in people's basements or renting rooms the workout of the plants, like is yeah. that number skewed? Yeah, it, for sure. And you know, people are only reporting what they think is safe to report. You know, the the, the immediate family right. end up not 
not the five people renting basements. But I think a lot of that in the last, you know, since 2015 and the downturn and, and most recently with COVID, those numbers have reduced and uh, the housing market and the business uh, commercialization has come into reality with the rest of the, the province, I think. So numbers, the housing right. prices are coming down. There is some availability. Um, it is still a, a buyer's market, I believe, right now. But I think the number, the, the stable population is probably in that neighborhood of 80,000. Um, but if you if you were to include the camps, which there are a lot of, um, that that number can go anywhere from 10 to 40,000 within a matter of weeks. Right, right. I know the one camp I used to work at was a 3,000 man camp. Yeah. And during the during Christmas time, it'd be 250, right? Like yeah. Yeah. for a couple of yeah. weeks over Christmas, but yeah. But I think, you know, during those boom years, McMurray has, had exploded and there was a lot of transient people and people are just looking to make a quick buck. They're here for a year or two years, or you often hear the two year plan. Um, a lot of those people that started that in the eighties are still here. Um, 22 year plan. Yeah, that's right, 22 <laughs> year plan. So, but the stable residents of Fort McMurray are really, uh, you know, they've been here for a long time. They're, they're raising their children and grandchildren here now. They, we have senior centers now we have you know stuff like that 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 are available to all ages of the population and and the growing population so um i'm still so impressed with the amenities that we do have are world class um you know for me having horses i can be in my horses in 10 minutes i can be on on the river in 20 minutes you know i can be on my snowmobile or my quad in, in, in 10 to 15 minutes, really, really easy. So yeah. everything is here for a person who wants to enjoy the outdoors in all seasons. And, you know, I'm a Northern guy. I'm born here and I love the winter. So I'm out almost every day doing something in the winter. And that's the only way you're going to survive a, a cold Northern winter is to be able to do something. And that's why we moved away. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it was great when we lived there. I mean, my, my wife grew up there. I grew up there. My kids mostly grew up there but it was amazing i mean it had a lot of amenities and stuff and lots of hockey lots of sports mm -hmm. and stuff but fort mcgray has a lot to offer for people yeah I, and i believe that i you know i'm a strong supporter of, of the things that we do have even recently with the development of mcdonald island and the facilities with the football arena and uh, the, the semi-pro baseball arena that we have here um, the golf courses that are just fantastic courses to play Another new one opening this this summer, so that'll be four. Um, it, it's just brilliant. I mean, the trail system that we have here is is amazing. It's it's almost all entirely looped now. So there's there's I don't know how many miles, probably hundreds of miles of trails here, uh, both paved and unpaved, and walking trails and places to go. So so I'm really really happy. And as we develop the downtown area, you know, the Sny Park and, and the businesses along the waterfront. You know, I think will will be the shining jewel of northeastern Alberta. That's awesome. That is amazing. Fort McMurray's always been. It's always been a. I mean, I grew up there, so it's always kind of been home, even though I've been gone for twenty years. It's yep. still kind of his home. Mm -hmm. And I talked to you know a lot of friends that have come and gone. You know, when I was younger, they were going off to university, and I was staying, and they're going, "Why are you staying?" And I said, "Well, I love it here for one, but." For me, work opportunity is here as well. I don't have to go somewhere yeah. else and look for that. It's here. Um, I met my wife here because there were people coming from all over the 
world to Fort McMurray to look for opportunity and take advantage of their skill set. Right. Um, is a counselor and works in the school system. And, you know, I was a mechanic at the time and, and I've gone on to mid-management, but I think the, the lifestyle that, that this community has offered, I'll be eternally grateful for. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So growing up, who was your biggest influence, do you think? Well, there, so other than my, my parents, who obviously said you must get an education and you, you, know, you, you keep trying, put one foot in front of the other, live every day. Um, the, the most influential person I had was a, an, an old Chinese gentleman by the name of Wayne Chow. And Wayne Chow owned Chow's Varieties. He owned yeah. A&W Laundries. He owned um, a couple of businesses around site, but he was a self-made man. So, you know, anything that needed work doing in his, in his businesses, he learned to do himself and he taught me to figure things out and, and to learn to do them yourself so that you're capable. Um, so I've learned a tremendous amount from him and I worked for him when I was 11 years old, stocking the shelves in, in his little confectionery until um, I was 15 or 16, I think in high school. And, uh, but in those four or five years that I was with him, um, I learned a tremendous amount of stuff from him and so much respect on the influence that he had on me. You know, he's still alive and, and we golf every once in a while. He golfs just about every day or used to. He's nice. getting a little older now. So, and I keep in touch with him regularly and his, his son, uh, Colin, and his daughter, Lorraine. And uh, so I see them quite often, but absolutely one of the biggest influences of my life as a, a teen and a young adult. So that's off awesome. Wayne. Yeah, absolutely. That is awesome. Maybe he'll watch this. <laughs> you, yeah. you, he can see your kudos that's yeah. awesome i remember his little orange store we used to call it the orange store. yeah yeah the before he got the new the, when they had the old wooden steps to go up inside yeah. yeah yeah um so growing up did you play sports or were you just the outdoorsy guy so i i didn't you know it's funny i didn't do a lot of sports i mean until uh roughly grade eight so when I was I used to be in the bush all the time as, a, as you know six seven eight years old um, you know in, in elementary school I, I and when I was eight I, I, I found a job in the oil sands hotel washing dishes so after school I would go there about four o'clock and I'd wash dishes for about four hours you know till about eight o'clock eight thirty then I'd go home and you know see the family for a while and get ready for school the next day and that kind of thing but so when I was working, I didn't have a lot of time for sports until I got to, to junior high, about grade eight, I, I started playing basketball. And for a short guy like me, that was, that was quite an uplift. Uh, so then I got into sports and then I played just about every sport that, that was imaginable. I was on the track team. I wrestled for a while. I played uh, squash and racquetball. Um, the, you know, so I, I played flag football. I played soccer. So I had, a collection of equipment from just about every sport but nice. in those in at that time with me working i could afford to you know pay for my own fees and pay for my own equipment and everything and that it wasn't an extra burden on on my family of you know at the time there was nine of us in our house seven or six boys and one girl and my mom and dad so every time you took up a sport it cost them money right. and uh, so it wasn't something that we all got to enjoy so i had a couple of brothers that played hockey um, but there's no way my parents could afford to put six of us through hockey. So, right. you know, the, the biggest thing that we did do is we, we opened up a boxing gym in our basement. Nice. And uh, 
of course, having six boys, there was lots of lots of potential there, <laughs> lots of arguments settled there. Um, but you know, so we trained out of our basement until the the Clearwater Boxing Club opened, and uh, we trained with with the rest of the members and gyms and whatnot across the across the the, the, the city. And we traveled to tournaments, and and you know, some of us became world-renowned boxers. You know, uh, my brother Real, I think. He fought over 120 fights, and I think he was successful in, in, in over 100 of them. So, very, very successful winner. Nice. Um, Wayne Burke was, you know, national champion, European champion, and junior Olympic champion. Danny, uh, Danny Lindstrom or Danny Stonewalker um, turned pro and, and fought, uh, you know, fought for the belt in, in, in his years. So, for this small little community, we developed some world class athletes, and that boxing did continue in this community for a long time. And I think now it's kind of taken the backseat to a lot of these MMA uh, fighting gyms and, and you know, uh, cross sports, CrossFit sports and stuff like that. Right. So it's not the boxing mecca that it might have been, but I still think it has a nice place in our community. Nice. That's awesome. So with regards to sports, so you've, you've done individual sports as well as team sports. So I'll ask you a question going both ways. So with individual sports, what is your uh, what did you learn from individual sports personally? So, so I gravitate towards individual sports, even though I've played team sports. And, and for me, it's 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 the passion. I, I'm so passionate and and unfortunately, I'm very highly competitive. So uh, I, you know I, I'm like a sports addict. I want to win. And uh, you know so I, I want to win just about any way imaginable. Of course, you know, you play within the rules. But what I, what I mean by that is I'm willing to put in the effort um, to be a champion. So right. whatever field I was in, I put the hours, I put the practice and I, and I put the effort in. The thing I didn't like about team sport is the, the people that didn't put that same energy towards uh, the development and growth of, of our team. Right. So although you had the camaraderie and, and reliability, you didn't have to be on 100% every night. You, you could you could slack off and you know put in an okay effort and still reap the benefits of, of those around you. And I'm, I'm I never did enjoy that. Uh, um, right. And that's why I went into squash and racquetball and, and track and and biking and triathlon and all those other stuff that that you were rewarded based on the efforts and the time and the commitment that you were willing to put in. So right. If you're gonna. If you're going to put the effort there, go all in and you'll reap the benefits of good training and good practice habits. Nice. So what, what kind of lesson did you learn from team sports with like with <clears throat> a team itself? What would be your best lesson for life from that? So with, with team sports, the thing that I've learned is that, you know, to rely on the people that are around you, to build the trust in each other and into the, eventually the, the guys that you'll be working with or sharing your life experiences with, you know, those guys are going to be friends for life. And, you know, if you're not good in one area, perhaps they are, they, you know, th there's a reason there's different positions and you don't, you don't play everyone. Right. So, you know, people excel in certain areas and, and uh, you know, they have, they might be faster than you, better hands than you or better skaters than you, but ultimately you, you learn to share and develop and, and, and pass the puck so to speak, so that, you know, right. you, you don't have to be the glory hound, you can let others succeed. And when others succeed on your team, you succeed. And I think in business and, and at work, that's what I've taken into work is I don't need to be the star. 
um, I'll, I'll treat my employees and, and the people that work for me with respect and dignity, and they will push us as a team to be successful. Nice, nice. What would one thing be from coaches you've had over the years that you would take as a, a good lesson? So again, it, for coaching, for me, it was commitment. And it was always about if they have time for you. In, in a hockey environment, there's, you know, there's a lot of players, a lot of staff, a lot of coaches, and you have to develop a, a bond or a relationship with each one of them. I was never a big teams, team player because, like again, the effort that was put in by some people wasn't where it should be, in my opinion. Right. Learn to, you know, that's that's me. That's you know, not everybody's at the level that I want to give, and and that's okay. But but coaching has to be something that you're passionate about. And I think if you're going to impact a, a young child, I think they can tell right away whether you're putting in an hour or two hours, or you're passionate about their development. And I think if you're passionate about their development. That's where the success comes from, beyond you. Right, right. Yeah, that's a great one. I know my my son coaches hockey down in Bremerton, and he uh, posts a lot of coaches' quotes and stuff. And the yeah. one he posted the other day was just excellent. It talked about if you if you're only out there to develop the kids' stick handling or scoring, you're not a true coach because a true coach will develop his his uh, attitude towards others, his his life skills, you know, those kinds of things and how to build relationships and be positive and everything to do with life, right? And that's, mm -hmm. to me, that's what a coach does. You yeah. know, it's not just the sport. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, what about... Uh, so friends and stuff growing up, who would be your, say your closest friend that's taught you the most about life? Um, so I have lots of close friends that I grew up with that are still around today. Um, I've taken pieces of, um, sorry. Um, each one of the things that they've, they've brought and, and, you know, each one brought something different. And I think I recognize that right away. Nice. Uh, you know, I can, I can trust this guy. I, this guy's going to help me or protect me or, or this guy's going to be honest and truthful. And this guy's going to be competitive and teach me how to do this. And so I've taken bits and pieces from, from all those friendships. And nice. I think I've kind of put them into me and, and say, this is who I am as a person. And, you know, I'm honest and, and trustworthy and passionate and competitive and all of those things come from all of my friends. So there's not nice. one particular friend. I mean, you know, I was on the phone with the, with the close friend that I used to live with in, in my early, early teen years and, and 20s. And we're still friends today. And his mom just passed away the other day. And, you know, I, I called him right away as soon as I found out and said, hey, listen, we're, you know, we don't talk every day, but you're still my friend. And I, I know I'm here for you. And so we got together and, and we just rehashed some old memories and, of his mom and, and his family and, and how you know those people influenced our life and you know you just try to be there for them to have a shoulder to lean on you know when people are weak and, and that's what you're there is to you know I want to support him and and show how you know over the years he was there for me and you know I will always be there for them another nice. friend uh, I haven't talked to in a few years is going through some hard times and and for me it's just a phone call to hear a friendly voice to to say you know like I'm there with you brother I'm standing right beside you and 
when you get weak, I'll hold you up. So I think, uh, you know, that's what we need to do in life is, is to help each other. And, and sometimes you're so busy or so involved in what you're doing, you have to step back and uh, take a look around you. Yeah, definitely. Um, so with your, oh, I see the deer out in our yard again. <laughs> We're right in the middle of town and we get deer in our yard just about every day. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Anyway, yeah. so how important is it to you to have real strong family ties or real strong friendship ties? You kind of answered a little bit already, but. So that's, you know, now that I'm older and hopefully somewhat wiser and, and a lot more compassionate, um, I understand that family is the one thing that drives me to be a better person. So nice. I want to set a good example for my son. I want to be a good husband for my wife. I want to be a, a good member of the community. And you can only do that, in my opinion, is when you empathize with the people that are around you and, and who you have effect on. So I just I just want to be a good guy. You know, right. I, I don't want to be a shining star. I don't want to be the, the guy that wins the trophy and, you know, takes home the medals. I just want to be a good dad. And nice. uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Right. What's one thing that your dad, say, taught you that that you carry on and you would like to pass on to your son well i think you know fathers and sons can have very difficult relationships um, my father you know had some difficulties and some struggles in his life but you know he raised a family he raised seven of us children and, and stayed with my my mother until the day he died um he he loved to talk to people and oftentimes I would go down to Canadian Tire with him. I would start walking towards the store and I'd be in the store shopping and grabbing a few things and back out. And he still hasn't made it into the store because he's talked to just what everybody in the parking lot. <laughs> I, think, I think all kids say that about their dad in Canadian Tire. But, you know, my dad was friendly. And, and you know, in my younger years, I was so involved in, in work and progression and management and, you know, excelling and overtime and the things that get in your way. Um, you know, I didn't really take a lot of time to get to know people as, as good as I should have. And I right. think when my son was born, I think I, you know, it caused me to stand back and look and say like, who do I want to be as a father and a husband and, and, and a, you know, a dad and what example do I want to set for my son? And I'm so happy that I still learning today, compassion for my son. It's like, dad, don't get mad at that guy. I mean, he, he probably didn't see you in that lane and he cut you off, you know, he, um, and he often reminds me of don't be so hard and critical on other people. They don't operate on, on the level that you are on. So just be a little more understanding. And it's, it's amazing when I get those reminders of, you know, I've taught him that. And so he's teaching me it over again. So pretty happy with that. I always find that amazing is when your kids are teaching you, right? Like yeah. I, I've got six kids. I, I get that, you know? Yeah. So it, it's when they do come to you with that and say that you're like oh you've just taught me something that I didn't even think about right yeah yeah and he's taught me patience because my son is uh in my opinion very very brilliant he's 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 an intellectual he's nice. very academic and far far surpassed me long ago in in terms of scholastic ability and the way that he can absorb information re reconfigure it to work for him is 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 an amazing process for me to watch as a father. Um, but you know, the patience to sit there and 
listen to him tell the stories that he's so passionate about in terms of academia um, is, you know, it's a testament to my own patience, but it's an interest in the growth and development of my son as well. Nice. So I'm really happy with that. That's awesome. Sounds like your son's amazing. I see some of your Facebook photos and stuff with him, and I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I only have the one son, you know, good Lord blessed us with one. And, you know, we weren't able to have have more. And, we, you know, we started late in life, and there are too many risks at, at our age to, to have more. But I'm so happy with uh, the gift that my wife gave me in terms of my son and the life that we've lived and built and, and continue to have today. It's, it's amazing. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would have had yeah. a baseball team. Right? So yeah. it, it was in the cards for us. But, uh, you know, that, that was never the, the reality. And I'm just happy for and blessed for what I have. Nice. Right on. What do you think is one of the most important um, lessons that you could give people based on, say, marriage, you and your wife? Wow. So, um, you know, my wife is, is, is from the Isle of Man, so she's Manx, um, but was, grew up in Manchester. And, you know, when we met, I thought that that was pretty novel and new and different, and it was really cute. And, but you know, you got to keep in mind we're from we're from different countries and we have different backgrounds and different experiences. And when you meld those two backgrounds together, there's a lot of learning that goes on, and the learning never stops. And there's you know it's like a tree that they say you you know have to bend, otherwise you're going to break. So both of us give up certain things. And she knows that I'm really passionate and competitive, and so she allows me to do things that that work for me. Um, she loves her horses and and her animals, and so. You know, I go out there and help her with with her uh, chores and fence building and picking up poop and cutting grass and grooming the horses. So you have to look after each other. And, and I think, you know, my wife is an absolutely brilliant heart. She cares about other people deeply. She cares about our family deeply. And I think some of that has to rub off over the years that we spent together. <laughs> but I think that the very fact that we give and take, it's, it's not all about me. It's not all about her. It's not all about our son. It's about our family and, and what we can bring to each other. And there's going to be difficulty along the way, you know, with the, you know, differences of opinion, you know, confusion or, uh, you know, fr uh, being frightened or stressed at work, uh, you know, but you overcome them together. And I think we've made a brilliant team so far. And I, and I hope that, well, that's going to continue. Um, so, I, so I think just being patient with, with, with each other, realizing you're, you're different. You're, you're a man and a woman, a husband and a wife with different backgrounds and, and be patient and enjoy the good times. And, and grow with each other. Grow with each other, absolutely. Yeah, right on. If you could write yourself a letter to your younger self, what age would it be and what would you what advice would you give for lessons for life so when i was in my early 20s i was a little rambunctious and i think today if i was to write somebody a letter myself a letter um it would be uh slow down look around explore the world um, take everything with eyes wide open and, and, and be a free spirit and, and, and look to, to learn. Um, nice. It's not all about work and it's not all about, you know, the effort. You have to enjoy the process. Uh, today, I can say that, you know, being 58 years old and, and having a, a, an amazing uh, childhood and background and, and youth, look around, see the world. One of the things that we do with our, my own son is we travel 
we've traveled quite a bit. And so my son got to experience the world and, you know, he has his own dreams of travel now. Um, so I, you know, I would write a letter to myself back in my early twenties and say, you know, this is an artificial life that you're living. It's, 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 uh, it's a self-imposed prison in terms of drugs and alcohol and violence. And, and this is where you need to be, be patient and, and reward yourself and, and smell the roses and take time and learn new things. Um, I think it, it may have changed. The other thing that I, I can't stress enough is post-secondary education for me. Um, I would have loved to have gone back to university and uh, got a university degree and, and furthered my education. I still think it's one of the most important things a person can do as a gift to themselves today. So I would say finish school, get your university degree, travel the world, experience new cultures and, and, and foods and people and understand uh, Everybody has a different tolerance and a different uh, uh, aspect on, on life, and they will bring new things to your life every day. Nice. One of the things a friend always told me was enjoy the journey. Absolutely. Right? Kind, yeah. kind of like what you're saying, just kind of yeah. sums it up in three words, right? Yeah, we could, you know, we could, I like I, you, were, you, you and I were talking earlier, and I said, you know, we travel down to, to Washington and to Seattle, and we've gone down to California, and I made a wrong turn, just about ended up in Mexico. Um, but, you know, I could have flown from McMurray to Edmonton to Los Angeles and, and not seen any of that. But we right. made a conscious choice. Let's drive through the States and see all these places along the way. To me, that vacation is the journey. That's our vacation. Not exactly. getting somewhere, you know, to drink beer and, and lay on the beach. That's, spend, know, that's, spend two that's weeks on the beach, spend yeah. a week and a half driving and spend three days on the beach. That's right. That For me, that's just you know, seeing the world and, and seeing each area and seeing what areas you love and what's unique and different about them all. And it's funny, yeah. my wife and son and, and our and my nephew were all in the truck. And when we, we look back on the, the, that vacation, when we drove to LA, um, what we actually perceive is so different to each one of us. You know? yeah, well, <laughs> and that's, that's the bottom line, right? Like you and I see something and it's exactly the same that's out there, but we both have different perceptions of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Means something different to each one. So you mentioned education and university and stuff. So education obviously carries a lot of importance to you. What do you think is, is uh, what do you think carries more weight, classroom or life lessons? So, so the classroom will teach you The whys and life will teach you the hows. Good so, answer. Good so, answer. so the, you know, you can't have one without the other. You have to have the experience of, you know, like if you're an engineer, how do I build this? How do I design this? How do I make this? But, but the life says, what am I doing it for? And how do I enjoy my time here? And right. so, so I think it's, 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 it's a blend of both. You have to, you know, learn, like you say, enjoy the journey, enjoy the ride. You know, there's, different destinations for all of us. So my son enjoys the academic experience right now, but he also loves to travel. So that's, he's doing exactly what I, I wish I would have done, you know, had the opportunity when I was younger. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what, uh, let me see. What would you say is been your biggest struggle growing up? Um, 
so I, I've been fortunate and I haven't had terrible, terrible tragedy in my life. Um, you know, I've had some, some close friends leave us a little too early. Uh, but the, the biggest struggle I think I have is with people's perceptions of who you are. So being an Indigenous person growing up in Fort McMurray, um, you know, when I was younger, it was, it, was, it was kind of hard knowing that, you know, people perceived you a certain way and that you would only accomplish so much and that you're only good to do so many things. And that's not who I was. So that was, for me, the biggest struggle is overcoming some of those prejudices that were cast upon you to define who you were. So that was never me. So I always wanted a chance to prove myself. So just, just give me a chance. When I wasn't working and there was no work back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, um, the Indigenous people didn't always have the best opportunity. Uh, and I just wanted to say, just give me a chance. I'll work for free. If you don't like it, we'll part ways as friends and that's that. But if you like what I've done and I've earned my value, then look at me for who I am, not what right. I am. Right. Today it's, today it's different. We, we, we have you know, a, a, a truly amazing bubble in the Northeastern Alberta region in terms of Indigenous success stories in business development and in community standards and in people who have really overcome um, a life of hardship. And, and I think, you know, for me growing up, as much as it was a struggle, it also gave me the perseverance to, and determination to be successful. Right. And I think my son sees that in me. I don't have to tell him that. He sees that, you know, who we are. I, we, we understand that we're Indigenous. We understand our, our culture, but we also, we're also Scottish. You know, my, my wife is English. So right. there's a culture there that we've explored as well. And he's, he's happy to identify as both. And there's no preconceived ideas of this is your limitation based on uh, what I see you as. Right. So I, I'm sure he's, he's learned that. Awesome. What kind of impact did your siblings have on you? You said you've got like five, six brothers and a sister. Yeah. So, so I'm right in the middle. I'm, I'm the fifth of seven here kind of thing. So I've watched, you know, my older brothers grow up and, and you know, experience alcoholism. And, and, you know, the one thing I said I never want to do is, is see myself take that journey. It was too hard on my mom, too hard on my dad, too hard on my brothers and sisters. So I, I've never wanted to go down that road. Um, but I also looked at their recovery and say, you know, these guys have, have done it on their own and it's possible and they've made successes of their lives. And I influenced my younger brother and sister to say, you know, there's more you can do. We just have to determine what, what your destination is and then we can determine how we're going to get there. So nice. my sister worked for the, the post office uh, in McMurray for uh, about 20 years. I think she moved to Edmonton about 10 years ago and has continued on her career in, in, in the post office. Um, been very successful, has a wonderful family around her. Uh, my younger brother, Colin, he, uh, he's got a couple of university degrees. He's a smart, smart young man. Um, he went on to uh, take a law so he's got a degree in law and he's opened up to practice in Drayton Valley been doing very successful has a beautiful wife and three young children you know two boys and a girl and, and they're awesome each one of them are so so funny in their own individual identities um, so I so I think you know just just the fact that growing up and going through the struggles and, and seeing what I liked and disliked and try to pass that on for the better of my siblings 
um, is, is, is what I've, I think I've, I've done and I've been successful at. So we maintain a good relationship today with all my siblings. Some of us are still struggling, but uh, I think for the most part, they know we're here and, and, and I think we've learned and grown and we prosper. And we, one way that we do communicate today is, is through uh, uh, texting. So, you know, usually about this time, we're texting to see what everybody's having for supper and man, yours <laughs> looks so good. And, you know, just, and it's, it's just a way of connecting every day, right? So it's, right. it's something as simple as that, but uh, I join my two brothers usually on a Sunday, my, my, my wife and my two brothers, we go down to a, a restaurant for breakfast about eight o'clock in the morning. We have a chat on what's going on and what everybody's doing and, nice. you know, share some jokes and some food and that's a catch up for a week. And uh, that, then we go back home and do our own thing. So it's just, you know, being connected. That's awesome. That is way awesome. Um, do you have, I want to call it an idol. It doesn't have to be an idol, but somebody that you look up to that you would say, I really want to be like them or be what they stand for, that kind of thing. So, I, you know, it's, it's funny, Troy, because I don't have an idol. I don't have, I have many people that I respect. Okay. Um, you know, and, and I've, and I've always admired people that are, are skilled in, in crafts, whether it be woodworking, mechanics, you know, welding. I, I just enjoy when somebody is a perfectionist and really skilled at their craft and, and can do just about anything. I, I, I just, I'm drawn to that. Um, I had a friend, um, we're both left-handers. So, you know, left-handed carpenters that's, that's, probably the, that's the problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> left-handed carpenters are, there's not many of them there and they're usually like that right so, <laughs> so but i admire the fact that he can look at something and, and just figure out a way to make it fix it bend it break it you know whatever and and change its composition i i just and, and i you know i'm drawn to that and then the stories that some of these old timers have when they're working and you're working beside them and the stuff they tell you and the jokes they played as when they were kids and the experiences that they had, I, I think I'm just drawn to that. Now, nice. I, I don't know. I don't know why it just is, you know? <laughs> so no idol, just a lot of people you really look up to in, in a lot of yeah. different ways. Yeah. I, I don't have, I, and I was never that guy to say, Oh, I want to be Tom Cruise or I want to be Elton John or, you know, even though I'm interested in music and I'm passionate about it uh, and I love the movies, I wouldn't want to be Tom Cruise or Elton John. Um, right. I, I think I'm pretty confident in my own identity and I, I want to be Doug Webb. Um, awesome. This is what I bring to the table. Awesome. Okay, so we talked a, a, a bit about life experiences with family and sports and education. How do you know when you know? <laughs> I, I think you, you never do. I think in in hindsight when you reflect i think you see some of the things that you were you've done right and i think you take that with you to your next experience and say i've learned from here and, and this is this is what i can bring forward so one of the things that you know in in the shop that i left when i was a team leader and i had a really really skilled highly skilled team of, of technicians that i supported and and the one thing that i that i did learn is make time to listen to everybody so everybody has a story and it's relevant to them and and the only thing that you can do to show dignity and respect is to listen and so what i would do is i had a, a candy jar on my desk 
And the guys would come in there with a problem and they would just sit down and I'd say, well, have a candy, right? And pretty soon they're telling you what's ailing them, what, what made them mad, you know, what's happening at home, uh, what's happening in, in, their, in their life outside of work. And so, you know, I've listened to them and, I've, and I thought, man, that was such a brilliant idea to have that candy jar and they can have a piece of candy and, and they'll sit down and take an extra two minutes and talk to you. And that developed a really highly functional team. And when I left that position um, to the person that took over, I said, here's my candy jar, just keep it full. And you will have yeah. a team that, that will support you because they'll come in and they'll talk to you. And I've always had something on my desk where it's in this job that I'm in today or the one that I'll be moving to shortly. Um, you know, I'll have something that somebody can look at and comment on to break that ice and start the conversation, whether it's candy or a trinket or a puzzle that people can have some texture in their hand and look at it and say, hey, I had one of these when I was a kid. Or this reminds me of, or really, I enjoy that. Can I have one and sit down and have that conversation? So I, I think that's the one thing that I, that I did look back to. I don't think you never, ever know when you've had enough. I think you become content with what you have. Nice, nice, right on. Um, what's your biggest motivator? Well, right now, like I, like I, I, I want to be a good dad. I want to make sure that I make the, the good choices for my son. He's a young adult; he's nineteen, um, going through university. I want to make sure that you know I've set a good example for him, that he knows that no matter what happens, mom and dad always love him. Uh, my friends know that in any time of crisis, they can pick up the phone and I'll come and I'll be there. Um, I just want to be uh, there to support the people that have influence on me and have shared my life and, and my friendships and my ups and downs and my happiness. Uh, so I want to be a good dad and a good person and, and just be there to help others. Nice. So I'm not the focus, right? I, I don't want to be the champion. I don't want to wear the gold <laughs> ribbon. Bronze is happy by me. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> to be a good support. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, that's all I want to do is I want to be a good role model for my son. Nice. I actually commented on one of my son's posts, and that's basically exactly what I said to him. Yeah. What's yeah. one thing in your life that you've accomplished that you're most proud of? Um, you know, I've been steady and true and compassionate. Um, for my family and my son, my wife. Um, I've been there for a lot of the friends I grew up with that we all had difficult lives and some of us didn't take the, the best path, but I've been there to support them, even though it has come at some uh, personal cost. Um, you know, you share those losses with them, but you never give up. And, and I think, you know, for me, that's my friends know that they can call me morning, noon and night, share their conversation, share what's ailing them. I'll be there to help them out if I can, um, you know, out of any predicament. You know, a couple examples is, you know, we had the fire here in Fort McMurray in 2016. Everybody helped everybody. It was amazing yeah. how the community can come together to help everybody. When, I, when we evacuated and I ended up in Edmonton, the passion that, that Edmonton showed me was, it brought tears to my eyes. It was amazing. It was a, a truly awe-inspiring experience to feel others' passion for you. And right. then we had the floods. We had the floods here last year, and, and one of my close friends downtown, he was flooded out. So, you know, I went down there to help him, you know, clean out his basement. It was just gutted. I went over to other friends along the 
uh, the lower town site who I know have been there for a long time and you know their parents are there so I was helping them my cousins are there I was helping them so I loaned out a lot of equipment and and lights and trailers and shovels and vacuum cleaners and everything and, and gave up my time just to make sure that you know it's a little easier for them in the morning nice yeah. nice and I think that's all that's what it's about it's it's the passion and, and caring and commitment you know when I was younger it was all about I just want to have fun. I want to see the world. I want to party hard. I want to compete. I want to, you know, it, it's all about, I want to, and now right. I want to see other people succeed. Now it's about what you can do for someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Tell me three words that you think best describe who you are. Uh, I'd say honest, dedicated, and passionate. Nice. That's awesome. So picture yourself in a room with a door. Just whatever room, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Describe your door to me. What would your door look like? <laughs> um, you know, when I was younger and I was, I was working for Wayne Chow, um, we came across this old door and, and that's what I, I go straight to. Um, we had experienced some theft in this store and, and we thought, you know, the door that was there wasn't adequate. So we have to build a better door. And I know it's when you, when you say, what's your door look like? I, I can describe it for you. It's made of steel. It's black. It's riveted in. It's sturdy. And it will withstand any attempt um, to take it out. So <laughs> that's kind of what I see, I guess, you know, I, I see myself as being sturdy, reliable and, and the rock that the wave crashes on. Maybe that's just me. But, you know, when you say a door, that's what it is. It had a big, nice. massive bolt um, that was going to keep those inside safe and those out, out. Nice. That's awesome. I've, I've had people describe multiple kinds of doors, but that is amazing. That's awesome. So now open your door and tell me what's on the other side wow so if i open that door again i see my family first and foremost my, my wife and my son and then of course um the smiling faces of family members my brothers and sisters and and my wife's brothers and sisters and the fun that we've had in our journeys across the world together on vacations and trips here trips north um, the neighborhood kids that I grew up with, you know, in our little blocks that we used to have down on summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, uh, you, you think about all those things. And, and, and I was just saying the other day, I still see the world through my 25-year-old eyes. And I remember my childhood like it was yesterday. So when I open that door, that's what I see. Nice. That's amazing. I think a lot about that. I do. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about all the people I grew up with friends and family and and people from school and stuff it's it's incredible thinking mm -hmm. back to the memories if you yeah, could have sorry go ahead i was just saying like you know thinking back to where, where you guys used to live on your street there there's still some people from that street and my street that that i keep in touch with you know the paquettes yeah. are there and the dragons and, and yeah. the brooks and, and the, the johnson girls um steve graham richard sari you know, Valden, the shots. So all those, a lot of those people I still keep in touch with. Yeah, Although it's amazing. Media, but, uh, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 
I love seeing some of their grandkids. Like uh, I was scrolling through and I've been friends with some of those people on Facebook, the cats and Gallagher's and, you know, dragons and stuff. And I see Connie's daughter, is it? Yeah. Yeah. That's singing. Yeah. Like that's amazing. I think yeah. that's awesome. She's got a beautiful voice. She's, she's certainly got a lot of talent and she's passionate about her music. Exactly. And it's yeah. nice to see that that's carried on. You know, Connie was a beautiful, and still is a beautiful lady and running a, has a beautiful family and she was into fitness and everything. Had the gym in Fort McMurray, her and her husband. Nice. Um, you know, so you see these and, and yeah, you just share in that, that joy. I think when you see their children discovering who they are and the paths that they're on, I, I think it's yeah. brilliant. The other day I saw a post from Debbie with her daughter and I didn't realize that she was into the firefighting. Yeah. But she does those, uh, what are they, Samson challenges or whatever, the, the, the gauntlet, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, the Spartan challenges and the Spartan rough challenges. Yeah. 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 Like that's I, 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 you know, If I was able to in my, my younger years, I, I think I would be ideally suited for that. That's, right? That's what I'd yeah. be right there back. Um, yeah. You know, now with the injuries that I've sustained over my young invincible years are coming to haunt me, but uh, I would still give it my best right still be competitive yeah yeah that's awesome if you could have lunch and a chat with anyone dead or alive who would it be wow uh, you know obviously i'd like to have lunch with my dad um you know when i was younger and he was younger um i, I think i'd just like to talk to him when he was probably around 25 starting out his family you know, taking the next steps in his life, wondering what he's going to do. Um, talk to him about what influenced his life. You know, I, I didn't spend a lot of time talking to him about what shaped him as a young man and as a father. Nice. So immediately I'd like to, you know, have lunch with my dad. Um, but there are other people I think, you know, John Wayne, like I, I watched lots of John Wayne dusters there when I was a kid. And I'd say, man, he's got some one-liners that you, you wonder where they come from. But there's other people, you know, some of the teachers I had in, 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 in Turcotte Elementary School that, you know, were the nuns that were there and, and they were influencing you. You know, I'd like to sit down with them and have lunch and say, you know, what happened here? Why, what brought you here? And how did you come to that conclusion? Or, you know, just random various people. So it's not one in particular other than my dad. Um, but some close friends that left the world too early, I'd certainly like to sit down and say, you know, we could have made different choices or we could have done things differently and, and right. enjoyed our life together. But, uh, you know, that opportunity was taken too soon. Right. Right. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? <laughs> I'm pretty happy right here, actually. But I've traveled a lot. And, you know, the good thing about traveling is you, you see the good and the bad, or I do anyway, in, in, in several countries. Um, Fort McMurray has brought me opportunity and prosper prosperity, which allowed me to travel elsewhere. So I think, you know, as I'm getting older in my years, I, I just want something that's, you know, peaceful and pleasant and, and uh, enjoyable in terms of, you know, you know, weather that has four seasons. I, I can't, I can't, I'm not a guy that lives at the beach. <laughs> I, want, I love my winters. I love my springs and my falls and my summers. And in Fort McMurray, we have you know, we have the best summer in the world. Um, but, you know, I can go on a vacation to the Bahamas or Bermuda or Hawaii or 
somewhere and like that. But you know, I've been all over Europe, and I love every other every one of the countries I've, I've been at. But I, I don't I see where I'm going to be other than probably in Alberta. I mean, I love it here. Nice. Know, I'll probably be further south, um, with a little milder winters, and, and maybe into even into BC, maybe into Kelowna area. You know, but I like water and I like golf, and my wife likes horses, so. We love to ski, we love to snowmobile, and, and you know, so we like to be outside. So somewhere that accommodates all of those, you know, Kelowna has nice skiing and beautiful lakes and, and stuff. Um, it's a little pricey there for, for me, but um, you know, it, it's a possibility. Right. So I will be in this area and I don't think like, do I want to live in Italy or France or somewhere like that? No, I'm pretty happy in Alberta. I'm an Alberta boy. Nice. I love the winters. So I'll be somewhere where there's winter. Nice. That's awesome. If you were stranded on a desert island and you had a device with you and it could only play one song over and over and never died, never <laughs> shut off, what song would that be? Man, you know, so I... It's hard choice. I, huh? it, it is. It, it's, it's very difficult because different periods of my life meant different songs. Um, uh, uh, there's a song and it's, and it's uh, you know, one that comes to mind right now um, is, Jesus, I just went blank, excuse me. Um, it's called I Wish and it's by Pearl Jam. Oh, I yeah. Wish, sorry. So, you know, it's, it's it, it, it goes, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, I wish I was this, and then just perspective of looking through those wishes. And that's kind of what I related to. And I wouldn't want it to play over and over and over, but I would certainly like it to be on my playlist. <laughs> right on. So we have a friend that, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we're all into music and, and we play each other's music and we make recordings, we talk about music and artists and the, the songs and stuff that influenced our lives and influenced them to write these. And she'd always wanted to get together to have each, each person bring a song, uh, like a party, and, and bring a song, tell us about the song, what it means to you, why, and share some of the lyrics and, and let's listen to it. So we'd have a party with each person describing that. So there will be multitudes of songs that I could put on there. I'd have a never ending playlist of every type of music except rap. Right. So, uh, I, never, I never did understand what everybody's yelling about. Couldn't couldn't figure it out what they were saying anyway. So maybe they're just mad they couldn't sing. But oh, I've listened God. to everything. So, so I've listened to everything from classical to opera to country to folk to rock and roll to everything. So I, I, I love all kinds of music and I love the stories that go along with it. Yeah. I like when you sit down with friends. You mentioned talking with friends about what the song means to you because... Mm -hmm kind of like our perception on things, we could both listen to the same song, but it means something different to each of us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 I remember going to California late one night that uh, my car had broken down and I had to get to a certain destination. And I was just scanning the radio stations and there's a song came on and uh, it was by, I think it was by Coldplay. And, and I just heard those lyrics and never heard the song again. Oh yeah. And, and then I think about four years later, the song came on. I go, that's the song. Right. That's the song. And I put me right back into Northern California about, you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night, driving on a freeway, pulling over for a coffee. And 
so I want to hear that song, but that's one song. So there's yeah. lots of songs that, that yeah. evoke those memories again. Well, I know we when we lived in the States, there was one time I was having a really hard time with the whole immigration process and everything. It was frustrating to me. And just at that particular moment on the radio came the Stones song, you can't always get what you want. Yeah. But if you try sometimes, you'll always get what you need. Yep. And that one has stuck with me ever since. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So there's a few that, you know, I can look back and say, take this verse and take that verse and take my own. And I've written a few songs. I mean, the lyrics to songs. I have the melody in my head, but I writ I've written down the lyric, written down the lyrics. And my son is into music now as well. Nice. Um, and he plays guitar. And, and, you know, when he is, I think he was 14, I took him to his first concert. And he's been hooked ever since on that live music and the emotions that it, it evokes and, and the fun that can be had and for an artist to share their themselves with you. I think that's brilliant. Nice. That's awesome. Okay. One final question. So Doug Webb has lived his whole entire life. He's accomplished everything he's ever wanted to. He's been the best person he could ever be, had the, the most amazing life ever. And when you pass on, you have to take everything with you. Nobody knows who Doug Webb is, but you can leave behind three lessons for life for future generations. What would those lessons be? Hmm. So um, one of the things that, you know, I hope I pass on is be compassionate, understand everybody's position or try to understand everybody's position and, and feel what they're feeling um, so that you can at some point have some understanding onto why they, they do what they do. Um, the second thing I would say is get involved. Um, you know, whether it's participating in a, a, a play at school, a rock band, a sports team, uh, a new job, a new career, um, get involved. Um, and, and the third thing is probably be, be passionate, um, care about what you're doing. Um, you know, don't harm others, but, you know, be in, be involved, be compassionate about what you're doing and, 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 and have that understanding that the more you put into it and the more you give away, the more it comes back to you. So I, I, you know, I think compassion is, is, yeah, those three things I think I'd like to leave behind for my son and, and that will give him peace in his life. Nice. Awesome. I appreciate your insight into your life, Doug, and some of the experiences you've had and thanks for sharing them. And hopefully people watching can, you know, maybe take some notes or try and change their lives to be a little more, you know, live the best life they can by listening to some of the things you've talked about. And I appreciate it very much. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks, Troy. Nice connecting with you again and seeing you and, and say hi to your family and, and your siblings. I'm not sure where they all are, but uh, it would sure be nice to connect to them again. Awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, just stay on for a minute. I'll chat with you afterwards. But thank you, sure. Doug, for joining me. Everyone, this has been Lessons for Life with my guest, Doug Webb. I am Troy Hudkins. And Tune in again for another episode. Thank you.